family violence takes up more police time in this country than any other sort of offending. But is any progress being made in tackling this social disease? Amy Adams made domestic violence the number one priority for her Justice Ministry in her speech to Parliament at the start of the year. The thing that makes uh, me sit up and, and really look at these figures the most is that half of our violent offending is related to family violence. We have one of the highest rates of family violence in the OECD, and that's not something that I'm prepared to accept, and I'm sure every member in the House would agree with me, that as a country we cannot continue to accept uh, this level of family violence. So 50% of our homicides are family violence related. That means on average we lose 14 women, 7 men and 8 children every year to family violence. Every six minutes, there is a notification to the police for family violence. This is not something that New Zealand should put in the too hard basket. But some working in the field think more progress should have been made already. Heather Hanaray has just had her last day heading the National Collective of Women's Refuges, and she applauds the efforts of recent times, but believes New Zealand has shied away from the gritty reality. It's about a, a low level of awareness, but it doesn't actually recognise or go to those really hard areas which people are faced with every day, where, you're, where people are being be beaten in the house next door, where um, abuse is going on in the supermarket or in front of you in the car park. And, and although we talk about people needing to report, we actually haven't talked about what happens when we don't. We actually don't talk about the impact of women dying in this country and children dying as a result of violence. I'm Philippa Tolley and this insight asks why, after so much effort over so many years, domestic violence remains so high. What new plans are in place and is action being taken quickly enough? It's not okay to say she was asking for it. It's not okay to be cruel to your boy just because it never did me any harm. Or scream abuse at your children just because you're unhappy. This campaign aimed at changing attitudes and behaviour was launched by the Ministry of Social Development more than seven years ago and it's received national and international recognition. But New Zealand is still struggling to make inroads into what a police national manager calls a wicked problem. For Superintendent Tasha Penny, it's the domestic violence cases in her 23-year career that stand out. Look, you would only have to walk through a door like I have done and unfortunately um, many of our officers have done and hold someone while they die as a result of family violence. Young women, young mothers to actually know the importance of it and the effect. New Zealand's high rates of family violence are hardly a secret. There have been any number of working groups and task forces and numerous reports have been written about what should be done. The Justice Minister, Amy Adams, says she decided, along with the Social Development Minister, Anne Tolley, that they needed to know exactly what was going on before deciding on what steps to take. My concern is that there are lots of well-meaning agencies, both in government and in the NGO sector, all, all with absolutely the right motivations and trying very hard, but you get to a point where there is such a crossover and, and disconnect that both the, the scarce resources we have in government are, are not being used well, and it's very difficult to get a clear picture of, of what help is working and where we can best target those resources. So I know it seems like a little bit of a step backward to move forward, but the first thing that Minister Tolley and I felt had to happen was a very clear understanding of who's doing what, but if we all have our own victim centres and our own support processes and our own counselling services and our own advisors, victims advisors, look, you, you, you just run around in circles. 
So what is known about the scale of the problem? Heather Henare wants statistics to be collated and made easily accessible so communities can get a real understanding of the level of abuse. And it's really, really important for the general public to know and understand what those stats mean and for them to be horrified about it. Because it's only because when they're horrified about it that they actually start listening to what's happening around them. Provisional figures released to Insight show the number of incidents reported to police last year remains largely unchanged. In 2013, the police responded to just over 95,000 reports, an increase of about 7,000 on the previous year. The provisional figures for 2014 are 94,300. But those numbers do not bring any comfort to Superintendent Penny as they only represent the tip of the proverbial iceberg. What we know um, from a policing perspective is that the majority of stuff we don't know. So it depends what research you look at. Between 13 to 20 percent is formally reported through police channels. Now we're not happy about that because if we, if we really want to tackle it we actually need to know the totality. So that's something that we're very focused on trying to actually, believe it or not, I know we talk in a lot of respects as we always want to drive down reporting, but this is very similar to child protection and sexual violence, which we've had to tackle in the past. And what we want to do is actually we want to push up reporting. Heather Henare understands why so few victims of abuse choose to speak up. There's more responsibility put now on women again, so we've gone back 20 years where we're putting the responsibility back on women to lay the charge or to, to name the violence, is where for a lot of women, they're sitting at home with two or three children, he's just beating her up, and they're asking her whether she wants to lay a charge, or they're asking her, is that what happened, and, and are you prepared to say that in court? Well, the reality is most of them are not, because they, it's an unknown environment to them. It's not a friendly environment, and, and the chances of them being penalised through charges and family or through another government agency then wanting to hold them responsible for failing to protect their child is really high. While the current drive in police is to focus on the victim who suffered the abuse, the investigations do have other implications as well, such as a huge impact on police resources. Tasha Penny says the domestic violence that is reported already uses more police time than any other type of offending. Our frontline staff are dealing with a lot of family violence and we, and we say in some districts up to 50% and actually a lot of um, repeat uh, families. The rate of offending has been described as an epidemic and it's forced police to look to outside help to improve the way they deal with domestic violence. Tasha Penny has revealed to Insight that police are about to be challenged to do better. She plans to bring in outside experts and NGOs who have criticised the way officers work to help the police improve. It's a plan that mirrors one used several years ago when Louise Nicholas, who accused police officers of raping her as a teenager, was brought in to change the way officers dealt with sexual abuse complaints. Tasha Penny backed that scheme when she was National Manager of Child Protection and Sexual Violence and wants to do the same in relation to domestic violence. She says the force can't be scared of criticism and must be prepared to take a raw, hard look at itself. We can be better every day. With family violence, we only have to go out. Um, you can come out with me in a car tonight and watch our men and women, and I have no doubt you would walk away and think how remarkable they are. But what we know is we can be better every day. So what we're about to embark on is an internal change programme where we look at 
all the facets of what we do with family violence and actually not only just ask ourselves, but we actually ask the academic experts. We ask some of our partners who maybe in the past have even got up and criticised us. We're actually inviting them in to be part of our steering groups and we're saying, help us get better, help us know what to look at for police. We're looking overseas at other jurisdictions to see what's leading edge. And the one thing we're certain of is we want to be aspirational. Actually, we want other police jurisdictions coming to New Zealand police in 12, 12 to 24 months and saying, well, what did you do? There are others who also feel a need for a change in the way the police have been operating. Katrina McLennan is a barrister who's worked extensively on family and domestic violence issues. She sees problems with what happens after a complaint is investigated by police. The number of investigations that led to an offence being recorded has actually dropped from 52% of all incidents investigated in 2010 to 40% in 2013. So what do you think that's saying? I'm concerned about some of the changes that the police seem to be making in reporting and also dealing with domestic violence. So, for example, we don't have domestic violence statistics separated out anymore. Years ago, police often warned and then moved to charging people, but there seems to have been a move to giving warnings and that appears to be supported by these figures. But Katrina McLennan also concedes that New Zealand is not alone in struggling to reduce the figures. In the last few weeks, the American president, Barack Obama, used the Grammys as a platform to push the need for change. Right now, nearly one in five women in America has been a victim of rape or attempted rape. And more than one in four women has experienced some form of domestic violence. It's not okay, and it has to stop. A week before that, campaigners grabbed an advertising spot during one of the most-watched events on American television, the Super Bowl, to get the message out. 911, operator 901, where's the emergency? 127, bring Okay, what's going on there? I'd like to order a pizza for delivery. Ma'am, you've reached 911. This is an emergency yeah, line. A large with half pepperoni, half mushroom. Um, you know you've called 911. This is an emergency line. Do you know how long it'll be? Okay, ma'am. Is everything okay over there? Do you have an emergency or not? Yes. A year ago in Dunedin, two children were shot dead by their father, who then killed himself. Edward Livingston had been issued protection orders taken out by his former wife, but he'd breached them twice and been charged. Shock and horror over the deaths prompted calls for action. Six months later, the government released a group of proposed family violence reforms. They included a plan to test an intensive case management service to provide support for victims at high risk of serious harm or death. Assessment isn't due to start for at least another couple of months, but in Palmerston North, a similar initiative is already on trial. Detective Sergeant Philip Scogland is the Family Violence Intervention Coordinator for Manawatu. He says senior regional officers wanted to try giving victims more support in order to stop the same thing, or worse, happening again. The attending officers who attend those jobs, they um, arrive at a situation where it's a volatile situation. It's, it's our job to try to calm things down as quick as we can, whether that may be removing people by serving a, a police safety order um, or basically having to um, arrest and charge someone. And it's not until those parties have been separated that 
we've been able to have a real closer look at the victim who has possibly been left in a situation of just being left at home, people have been taken away, and we aren't possibly doing the follow-up that we really should be doing. The idea is that police will now get in touch with a victim within 24 to 48 hours after the event which sparked their intervention, and they'll also involve the local women's refuge. Detective Sergeant Scogland says the scheme has been well received, but the difficulty is in judging whether the trial, which ends next month, has been a success. Prior to the initiative, um, I was basically working um, in this role by myself, and um, it's a real... It's a bit of a band-aid uh, solution, to be fair, and um, just making sure that um, all the mandated actions that are required are being completed by staff and that those high-risk victims are being dealt with. But now with some additional staff, but you know they've had to be pulled off other jobs to come into here. So you know, you, you rob someone to... <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it's difficult. So if, if, if staff are now helping us here, then other, star, other, other roles are missing out. He worries three months may not be enough time to make a proper assessment. It comes down to resourcing. Um, do we currently have the resources available to put into this area? Um, I believe that domestic violence is, is certainly one of the key areas for the New Zealand police, and certainly in this area when it's becoming 30 or 40% of, your, all, of all your work, then it badly needs to be addressed. And those fears over limits on the time available to prove results are shared by the police's partner in this endeavour, the local women's refuge. Kia ora, women's refuge, Nami speaking. Okay, what's what's going on? Okay, so so have you got any injuries? This area out the front here is one of the advocates that's out there. Do you know how many calls you get a year? Um, just. Just short of a thousand calls, I think. Dr Anne Jury is the manager of the Palmerston North Women's Refuge and she believes such a programme could begin to slow the increase in the number of families suffering abuse. Really, really clear from everything that we know and all the research that sits around it that is if that you want to engage with victims, um, you can't do it a week after the event. You need to actually be talking to them while they're still thinking about it while they're still worrying about it and while they still think that they that things could be different. So what this does is gives us the opportunity to actually be talking to victims a great deal sooner than we have been able to before. And because it's often hard to make contact with victims, frequently they don't answer their phone, being able to go to a home address safely i.e. with police with us, it's got so much potential. But even though the trial has started well, she says its future is uncertain. We're probably only one step away from some major incident or some major investigation here in Palmerston North, which would see those officers that are doing this work at the moment pulled to work on, you know, if there was a major homicide or something like that. It needs to actually have enough time to settle in because honestly, what we've been doing up until now has been sticking sticking plasters on things. You know, we get the odd win, but we're not making significant change. The need to change is pressing, with many expressing outrage that attitudes remain entrenched in society and within the official system, that often blame the victim for the abuse. Katrina McLennan believes that filters through in the way some offending is downplayed, 
but she's adamant every situation must be taken seriously and women and children must be helped to move away permanently from a violent relationship. We still often say, oh, well, the man can go to a bit of counselling and then they can all get back together and that'll be fine. But it's not. You know, this is normally repeat patterns of behaviour. And what you'll very often see is a whole pattern of behaviour that starts off from what might appear trivial in the beginning and then gradually increases in seriousness. So we need to start treating all forms of domestic violence seriously and not say, not keep making excuses for men and say it was only minor. Actually, we very, very often don't believe women when they report domestic violence. We've still got these myths that women are vindictive and lying and the man's upsetting them so she's gone and complained to the police that he beat her up and it never ever happened. That argument is supported by Heather Henare of the National Collective of Women's Refuges. She says when women do report violence, they can face scrutiny by child, youth and family and later on may have to face the family court. We've made all these changes to the family court, so when women are now going to go to the family court, they have to think really carefully about whether they're going to go because it's going to mean forced mediation. It's going to mean um, if they if they don't take a protection order but they want, for example, a parenting order, they have to pay for that. Um, they have to be in, a, in a, a court environment by themselves without any advocacy. Um, so there is a whole lot of things around that process that make it, don't make it OK for women. We've got now got refuge advocates writing affidavits and trying to do the legal side of protection orders because people can't afford to go to a lawyer or they, they're, um, they're scared about um, you know, what it's going to cost them long term. If, it, if they get a lawyer, does that mean he's going to get a lawyer and there's going to be a counter approach and, and all the rest of it. So we just keep making it harder and harder. Also on the government's list is a plan to help protect women and men from violent partners or ex-partners by expanding a home security scheme throughout the country. The government has called for tenders and hopes to start the rollout in the middle of the year. Shine is an organisation that runs a Safe at Home programme which assesses and secures houses for those who face the highest risk. It already operates in parts of Auckland, Christchurch and Tauranga where Shine's Liz Flaherty works out what's needed. Just open up the door and have a look at this front door. So, we also don't have a light here. So if someone's arriving at night and I'm looking out my spy door to see who's out, the spy hole to see who's out there, um, there might not be a lot of light out here to see who's at the front door. The group works out not only how to make the home as secure as possible, but also escape routes and options if an attacker gets inside. This end of the house. So we've got, this is the main bedroom. The person we're protecting this house from is likely, because they've lived here, they know that mum's going to be asleep at night in this room for the most part. So um, we're going to put some security stays on those windows. We've got restricted stays, which are like a little hinge that goes on the door, on the windows. Uh, so we'll put those on most of the windows, but we also want a way that mum's able to get out of this room as well. So um, we'll put some releasable security stays on at least one of these windows. Liz Flaherty says at the very least, the extra security will slow a potential attacker down and give those inside a chance to use silent alarms to contact police. For many families, the extra security means they finally feel safe. Then their kids might have had their first night's really good sleep in an awfully long time because they've had all this horrendous stuff go on and for many women it might have been going on for a really long length of time. 
they've separated and they're trying to keep this person out of their home um, but now they haven't got a clue what's going to happen next and he might be threatening and intimidating um, telling them he, he's going to get them they know all this stuff they know the violence that's happened in the past so suddenly we've got an alarm in there which means they can get help quickly the doors are more secure and they know that actually they're not on their own, there's support for them and they've got some resources that are keeping them and their kids safe. Liz Flaherty says in the last month, police in Tauranga dealt with 440 domestic violence related call-outs, but she will be able to help only a few, those facing the most risk. Shine's Client Services Director, Jill Proudfoot, is enthusiastic about the effectiveness of the extra security as there have been no further abuse at any of the homes that have been upgraded. The scheme also means families can stay in the communities they know and children can keep going to the same schools. It'll never be available to everybody who needs it, I don't think, because it's, it is expensive. Do you have any idea on roughly what it costs to secure you know, your average house? It's, it's around $3,000, and that includes the time of the advocate who does the home assessment and the um, contractors who come to do the actual work. A homicide in New Zealand costs around $4 million, and we believe that we have probably prevented several homicides, although you can never know. But certainly there have been occasions where um, a person was at severe risk, but the, the police were able to get there in time to prevent them from being injured or killed. So when you look at it from that perspective, that the cost of upgrading the houses is actually good value. The funding for all the proposals outlined by the government last year is $9.4 million spread over four years. Jill Proudfoot says her organisation believes the money must be focused on those most at risk, at least to begin with. 6% of the offenders cause something more than 30% of the incidents. So if you can deal with those really high-risk families, um, that will reduce the incidents overall, and then you can move down the triangle to the, to the wider section where there's not such intense risk and gradually work down that way. But how far that money will stretch worries barrister Katrina McLennan. I don't see how we can make inroads in abolishing domestic violence unless we put significant resources in. And so the package released by the government in July last year, the funding for that is $9.4 million over four years. But police investigate 95,100 family violence situations every year, which is about 260 a day. How can you expect about two and a half million a year to go anywhere near tackling that properly? And as yet, none of the latest plans, be it increasing security services, creating a chief victims advisor or reviewing domestic violence legislation, is in place. Amy Adams says she's taking time to get it as right as she can. Well, it's always a trade-off between speed uh, and completeness and making sure it's, it's done really well. And so, you know, you, you both want it done yesterday and you want it done with extensive consultation and, and thinking and talking to people. And one thing I've said in this, uh, in, in this area, and I've said in Parliament and to the other parties, I don't claim to have all the answers. I, I'm, I'm not a, a specialist who's worked in this field all my life. Within Parliament there will be a range of views and I've reached out to all the parties across Parliament and say, look, this is an area that, that transcends politics. If you've got good ideas, bring them to me. 
I'm very anxious that we, we really do canvas everyone who can, who can feed into this meaningfully. But Ange Jury and Palmerston North wants the focus to be on properly backing all the services already available. I don't think there's any need for any more advisors. That, that's actually a personal view, that's not necessarily a refuge view, but I believe that we know what we need to know about domestic violence. You know, we've got research upon research upon research upon research report. It all tells us roughly the same sort of stuff, and I think it's time we actually just moved on. We have a whole lot of good stuff going on, and maybe we need to concentrate on that good stuff. Amy Adams says making greater headway would not only reduce the number of victims directly, but would have an immense benefit to society as a whole. But she says there's no single action that will turn things around. So this is not a, you know, a, a one or two point plan, this is a, a many faceted uh, approach. And even with all of that, I don't think we can ever assume that once all of those things are in place, the process will become much, much easier and that the, the incidents will have a dramatic fall. But nonetheless, they're all steps that we need to take and that will make a difference. From a police perspective, Superintendent Tasha Penny acknowledges the difficulty of solving the problems that drive family violence. But she's also optimistic, saying in all her career she's never seen such energy, drive and commitment to deal with a national blight. She sees getting all of those involved working together as one of the key factors for making progress. If those groups of specialists who do amazing work have confidence that they can bring women and whānau to us and that we will treat them with respect and that we will investigate thoroughly and that, will we, see, that we will see it through, that's a big step. If, if the women, and, and look, it's not just women who are victims of uh, family violence, but if women, if children, if men, if victims of family violence can have confidence in our system, that they will come forward, that they can tell us, that they will be made safe, that we will understand of how to respond to them in the situation, I think we can get there. Heather Henare also believes it's essential that all parties work together, that a national strategy is drawn up and that plans for the future are not dependent on any one political party, regional manager or chief executive. For all that, she's perplexed by the government's current proposals. All of that came out and there had not been one conversation with us. And we are the largest domestic violence provider in the country. We have been advocates for domestic violence for over nearly 47 years. And we are the consistent voice of domestic violence in this country. And not once did they come to us and say, is this what we need to do? Do you have any idea why? Um, I think it's because they... If they would ask us what we need to do, we'd say, well, that's one way of dealing with it. There's all these other things that we need to do. Um, it, it's about how that fits in with government objectives. You know, reducing crime, reducing benefit dependency, all of those things that they want to do as, as a government. Um, the reality being you can't reduce crime by not reporting it. Well, you can't reduce crime by not making charge, you know, by people not um, being charged anymore. That's not reducing crime. That's that's lying about what the crime levels are. After all the talking that's been done, Jill Proudfoot from Shine says that now needs to be backed by action. Every time there's a tragedy, there's this huge uprising of dismay and horror and grief. But many, many women are dying in New Zealand and many children, and the outrage doesn't last long enough. We need to be outraged enough to actually take the actions that are needed to stop it. 
She's in a violent relationship. Friends and neighbors, they all know something's going on. But the sooner you reach out to someone living with family violence, the sooner they can get help. I'm Philippa Tolley and that's all from this week's Insight. If you'd like to contact us, you can send an email to insight at radionz.co.nz or tweet at rnz underscore insight. This programme was produced by Gail Woods with technical production by Dan Bebbin.